Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Have you stand to your feet with me this morning? Amen. Let's get into the word. First service was really, really had a great service this morning. Good turnout. Um, and I don't know about you. Look around. God, we're, we're building momentum. Uh, things are, are taking place. God is growing uh, the body. And it's not about having a big church. That's not the purpose. It's about emptying hell and populating heaven. That's what we're all about. It's all about winning people to Jesus, getting people to know Christ. And that's on. We, we are preparing ourselves for what we're calling E1000. Uh, Easter Sunday, we're, we're shooting to break a thousand mark on Easter Sunday. And so the only way we can do it, we can only fit about 400 people in the sanctuary. So we're going to have to pack out the first service and the second service. So we're going to count on the children's ministries to break that thousand mark uh, on Easter Sunday. And how are we going to do it? We're going to be giving out personal invitations to you to invite one person to church on Easter Sunday. And that personal invitation is going to be something that you're going to invite someone. And we're going to ask you, just bring someone on Easter Sunday. And then we're giving the kids what we call egg invitations. We're going to give them little Easter eggs with invitations inside them to hand out to their friends and bring their friends. And if their friends come to, to, to Sunday school, uh, come to, to the kids' classes on Sunday morning, they're going to get a stamp or a band. And they're going to be allowed to start the Easter egg hunt before the community starts the Easter egg hunt. And so if they they get here. They got to get to church. You hear all that? Ah, you know, they got to get to church. They come to church. Then they're going to get the opportunity to start the Easter egg hunt in front of everyone else. And so doesn't mean we don't love the community. It's just that we're going to give our kids the opportunity. You come to church. We're going to give you a head start on the Easter egg hunt and uh, then send the rest of the kids after that. And so uh, we're going to try to encourage them to get here. We are going to be sending out mass mailings throughout the, the San Jose area here, but right around uh, Mount Pleasant High School. About 1,500 homes we're going to be hitting. Uh, we're going to do the same thing in Milpitas as well. And uh, our theme for Easter this year is called Scandalous. Uh, we're calling it Scandalous, a scandalous love. God's love for you is so scandalous. And uh, you're going to see the, the promo that we're going to be putting together. So we invite you to be part of this. Uh, people don't come to church by, by, a, by a flyer. They come to church through an invitation of a friend. And so that's why we're calling it one by one. Okay? So uh, we want you to be part of that as we, we reach people for the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm not going to be long this morning, so stay with me. Amen. He, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, it says this. For we are God's handiwork. Another version says we are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're, you're lucky to be sitting next to me. Look at your other neighbor and tell him I'm God's masterpiece if you didn't know. Just so you know. Just so you know. Well, I know, Sister Sandra. I'd be knowing. For we are God's handiwork or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to what? To do, not works, to do what? Good works. Not bad works, good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to know God planned in advance before he created you what you were going to do. 
He designed you for a purpose. He put you together and crafted you for a reason. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, It is God who has saved us and chose us for his holy work. God has a plan, a work, a design for each of you to fill, for each of you to do. God gave you a work to do. And so we've been talking about that the average human lives 25,550 days. Doesn't it make sense to take 40 of those days and figure out why God placed you on this earth? And so that's what we're doing. We're taking 40 days as a church to figure out why we're here. Now, the first purpose we talked about is God placed us on earth, number one, for God's pleasure. To bring pleasure to God is what we call worship. And so you are created to worship, but worship's not about a song. It's in the life that you live. Number two, you were formed for God's family. So God didn't create you just to believe. He created you to belong as well. That there is a local church that you should be part of. A place where you come, that you worship, and that you come and that you add value to, and they add value to you as well. So you were formed for God's family. God doesn't want you to be an orphan. The other thing I want you to know, God doesn't have grandchildren. So you can't live your faith off of your parents' faith or a family member's faith. You have to have your own faith. Number three, you are created to become like Christ. So God doesn't want, loves you so much. God loves you the way you are, but God doesn't want you to stay that way. And so God created you to believe, created you to belong, but then also created you to become like him. That's why, how many of you have, don't raise your hands, but you have people that irritate you. <laughs> that person at work, that drive to work. You know, we all, we all have those individuals in our lives that just rub us, they just rub me the wrong way. You know what they're doing? Is they're making you like Christ. No, no, let's stop and act like I didn't say it. Let me say it again, and then you clap for real, okay? That patty cake sucked, all right? So let, let me just let me say this again. Those people that irritate you, God placed them in your life to make you look more like Christ. <laughs> Even your husband. <laughs> number four. Someone say number four. You were shaped to serve God. Any, anyone tells you you're out of shape, tell them round is a shape. I am in shape. I'm just not in the shape you want me to be. God shaped everyone for ministry. Every one of us was shaped. Now, I, I need you to recognize this. It doesn't matter how long you live. It's how you live that's important. With many of us, we, we value longevity, but if you do nothing in that longevity, what it, it's important is how you live, not how long you live. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. And so what are we doing with our lives? How are we adding value? And whether it was my daughter who passed away four days shy of her eighth birthday or this precious little boy that we, that we said goodbye to or see you later to on Friday that was uh, passed away from a brain tumor. Uh, how we deal with these kind of things, a thing I kept hearing people say wasn't how old he was, 
but how much of an impact he had made during those short 10 years of his life. I need to encourage you today. Make your life count. No matter how long you live, start making your life count. And what I walked away from, I, I was a basket case at that funeral on Friday. I sat there and I felt myself, my heart was broken for the parents because I've sat in that seat. I've been in that place before and I, I, I found myself arguing with God. I found myself struggling with God because we prayed for this child. We believed for this child and I found myself such in a battle with my own personal faith as we went and we navigated through this time and I know if I felt that way, how much more were mom and dad going through that battle? How much more were they struggling through that process? But I found myself as we were going through that time that a faith that has never been tested cannot be trusted. We're going to go through a time where our faith is tested. And I come to find this out that when I go through those times where I don't understand what God is doing, that I have to lean on my faith and believe that even when things aren't good, God is still good. It doesn't change who he is. Now, you have been shaped. Someone say shaped for ministry. Um, Rick Warren puts it this way. He created this 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 uh, acronym called shape and it stands for spiritual gifts a bit heart abilities personality and experience these five things each one of us has been designed with and i'm going to go over these very quickly this morning job chapter 10 verse 8 says this you shape me someone say shape me with and made me god took time to shape mankind god didn't just everything else he said let it be let it be let it be let it be but when it came to adam the bible says he formed adam he shaped adam out of the dirt out of the dust of the ground and then blew his breath into him god didn't just create you he made you he designed you with his hands he put you together formulated how your hair was going to look how your eyes were going to look the very features of who you are you are the masterpiece of god Come on, somebody. You shaped me. And then what, what I love when he gets to Eve, doesn't he uses a totally different Greek uh, Hebrew word when he talks about making Eve. It says he just made Adam, but he shaped Eve. You didn't catch that. He shaped Eve. All the men say, oh, come on. Amen. God took time on the female. He took time to accentuate. He took time to shape. He took time to put together. God loves you so much that he designed, that he shaped. He took time for every detail of who you are today. First Peter chapter four, verse 10, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve yourself. To be comfortable yourself. What's it say? To serve who? Others. To serve others. God gave you your giftings, your design in order to serve others. So our fourth purpose in life is to serve God by serving others. Somebody say amen. amen. So let me give you the five things. Number one, shape. Everyone say shape. shape. S stands for spiritual abilities. Now, now let me, let me get, get you to understand this. First Corinthians chapter 12 uh, says this, verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Every individual has a different spiritual gift. But let me explain it to you this way. If you have not yet accepted Christ or allowed God to come alive in your heart, those gifts are dead. 
You have gifts. They're just not awakened yet. But the moment you surrender your heart to Christ, those gifts come alive. The spiritual gifts. And so I want you to understand every one of you has spiritual gifts. But those gifts aren't in operation until you surrender your life to God. Then those gifts come alive. There are different uh, spiritual gifts. There are different ways of serving. There are different abilities to perform that service. Every one of you has a specific gift, a specific design. We were all born with natural abilities, but your spiritual abilities come from God. Let me give you three things regarding these abilities. Number one, your abilities come from from God, all your abilities, whether you're athletic or whether you're business orientated, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you can deal with details or whether you're a mechanic that wrenches on things, whatever it is, God gave you the gifts that you have. And every one of those gifts came from God and should be used for the glory of God. Someone say amen. So that leads me to number two. Number two is every ability can be used for God's glory. If you're cut hair, you can honor God with cutting hair and, and, and coloring hair and, and designing hair or even tattooing or artistry, whatever it is. God has given you the ability to use that gift to honor his name. How do you honor his name? By doing a great job at what you do. You have a gift in retail and that gift God's given you in retail. You have the ability to lead teams, develop people. You worship God not by walking around with your hands and speaking in tongues all over the store. That's not honoring God. It honors God when you sell, when you run a great team, and that you operate that store, and the business makes money. You honor God by using your gifts to do that. As you, as you work as a doctor, and as you're dealing with the patients, and you're taking care and helping bring the right medications and the right treatments, God uses your ability to be able to honor his name by being a great doctor, by figuring out to be up to date with the latest things. That's what God's called you to do. Every ability you have, you can honor God with, but every ability God gave you, you could also use to sin as well. Some of y'all are good with people. So, some, of, some of you guys can, you can talk paint off a wall. You, you just, you're just smooth. You have the ability to talk to a doorknob and get it to respond. And so some of you use that ability at the club on Friday night to hook up with a different woman. And you use the gift God gave you to bring sin and destruction instead of life and hope. Every gift can be used to honor God, but every gift can also be used to. Number three, what I'm able to do, God wants me to do. Hey, whatever gift God gave you, use it. Stop complaining about the gift you don't have and use the gift that you do have. Stop complaining about the fact, man, I want to sing like Troy. Ain't none of us going to sing like Troy. I want to sing like G. None of us are going to be able to sing like G. Except in the shower by yourself and no one's around. In your car with the windows up and the radio blasting. You think you sound like Beyonce. You don't. So do what God, what you can do. Use your ability to honor God. See, you don't get to choose your gift. God chooses it for you. God loves you enough to say, I'm going to give you this gift and I'm going to give you this gift. But the great thing is this. Not any one of us has all the gifts together. Because then we wouldn't need anyone else. God gives gifts to each and every one of us because together 
we become the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 7 puts it this way. Christ has generously divided out his gifts to us. God is giving, he's passing out gifts and he gave each and every one of us gifts. No one has them all because we need each other. Number two, H, everyone say heart. Heart reveals the real you, okay? Uh, I, I want you to understand heart reveals the real you. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Your heart is the center of, in the seat of your emotion and passions. Let, let me put it this way. Brother Dave, when you, when you look at your love yes. and you tell her, I love you with all my, you don't say all my panza. That's too much love. All my stomach. All, all, I, I love you. Girl, I love you, man. I love you with all my eyes. I love you with all my tonsils. You, you, don't, you don't say that. What? When, I love you with all my Heart is the seat of your emotions. It's the seat of your passion. And God has given a heart to each and every one of us, a place of passion and design. From your heart, your mouth speaks, according to the word of God. Out of the treasure of your heart, your mouth, your mouth speaks, the words that come out. Have you ever said anything and you're like, oh man, I didn't mean that, I'm sorry. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't, Pastor, you're going to get me in trouble. Yeah, you did. When you say something... Well, I didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. When you squeeze an orange, what comes out? What kind of juice? Orange juice. Can't squeeze an apple and get orange juice. Get apple juice. What I squeeze comes out of you. During times of squeezing in your life, what's really in your heart will reveal itself. That's why when people get drunk, all of a sudden things start coming out that normally... That's why the Spirit says... Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because the same way you act a certain way when you get drunk with alcohol, when you get drunk in the Spirit, you have some of the same characteristics that happen for good. You ever see a drunk person, they start getting bold, they want to take everyone on? When you get filled with the Spirit of God, you want to take every demon on. Come on, bring it on. I'll take you cancer, I'll take you diabetes, I'll take you... All of a sudden, and then also you get those people that are so drunk, they start loving on everyone. I just love you. You get filled with the Spirit of God, all of a sudden you start loving people you hate. Some of y'all need to get drunk with the Spirit of God. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart above everything else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart sets the GPS for where you're going in life. Your heart's what establishes where you're going. And so if you're going to start a business, your heart has to be into it. If you're going to start a family, your heart has to be into it. If you're going to start a, a, a marriage, your heart has to be into it. Your heart sets the GPS. So how do I know that I'm serving or giving everything with my heart? Two things. Number one is that enthusiasm. That whatever you're doing, when your heart's into it, you're going to put enthusiasm. You're going to love what you do. Some of you hate work. You hate what you do. And that's why there's no enthusiasm. You wake up Monday morning. Oh, God, I don't want to get up out of bed. I don't want to go to work because you hate what you do. Others of you, you can't wait for Monday morning to come because you're so passionate about what you're doing, about your purpose in life. You know it's not about the money. It's about the purpose behind the money. And so it's the enthusiasm. But secondly, I love what I do. Enthusiasm. Also, it brings effectiveness. You have to be effective at what you do. You, you might love singing. 
but you couldn't carry a tune if it had a handle. And you want to join the worship team. I love you. I love you. You got a place to serve, but it's not with the microphone on Sunday mornings because you're passionate about it, but you're not effective. You got to find a place that you're effective and passionate. Someone say amen. amen. Passion drives perfection. Don't settle for the good life. Pursue your best life. Stop settling for a good life and pursue the best life. Someone say letter A. Letter a. So shape spiritual gifts, heart, and now abilities. Every one of us has abilities. You were born with certain abilities. Whether you serve God or not, you have abilities that God's given to you. Whether you know God or not, you have abilities. That, that Kobe Bryant, if he never knew God, he would still be able to shoot a basketball. Every one of us has an ability that God's given to you, that you were born with. You are hardwired with certain abilities that only God could give to you. So your ability to talk to people, your ability to, to sell things, your ability to create things, your ability to draw, your ability to sing, your ability to, to, uh, to, to solve problems, your, your creativity to be able to make motherboards and, and, and uh, do, do all these computer things, to play the piano. I don't get it. I don't know how you play the piano. All those keys in front of you? Which, where do you put your fingers? What, which ones go where? How do you understand that? How do you understand on a guitar how to do certain things? When you're gifted, you know how naturally to do these things. You have been wired with those abilities. And so only you could be you. Look at your neighbor and say, only you could be you. <laughs> Romans 12, 6 puts it this way. God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. Every one of you do certain things well. You're not great at everything, but there are certain things only you can do. There are, certain, there, there are some of you, I would love to eat your food. There was others of you, I wouldn't touch your food with a 10-foot pole. I'd love for you to work on my car, but I would not eat a meal that you made. Because you're a great mechanic, but you're a terrible cook. Because every one of us has a certain ability or a talent that we have. There we have a certain thing that you're good at. The problem is are those of you that are good at a lot of things. Because then you get spread so thin you don't know where you're most effective. I've heard of lawyers quit doing law because they hated law and become bakers. And they've made millions of dollars selling cakes because they hated law. Even though they were good at it, they weren't passionate about it. What are you passionate about? What are your abilities? What are the things that you're good at? Some of you right now are saying, but pastor, I don't have very many gifts. I can't sing like Troy. You know, I can't play the guitar like, uh, you know, um, like, like June. I don't got biceps like June. <laughs> we're going to collect an uh, offering so we can get June bigger shirts so his biceps fit. But the average person, according, according to, to um, Rick Warren, Rick Warren says this, listen carefully. The average human being has 500 to 700 abilities. Five average. And I look around this room, there's no average people here. I feel like Pinocchio at uh, the Geico commercial. You got potential. You got potential. You got potential. I'm sorry, I just uh, popped into my head just now. 
average person, 500 to 700 abilities. The brain, every one of you, the brain can store over 100 trillion facts. Your mind can handle 15,000 decisions in one second. The nose can smell 10,000 different scents. And your finger, when you touch the, uh, the table, can, fit, can feel something one twenty-five uh, thousandths of an inch. You have the ability to do some great things. Every one of you has been designed with gifts. You got to just do what you're good. You're unique. No one else can, is like you. So stop imitating someone else. Stop being someone else. Stop trying to be someone else. Stop trying to preach like TDJ. Stop trying to sing like G. Stop trying to do what other individuals do. Why? Because you were designed by God to be unique and to be individual. No one else is like you. Be the best you that you can be. So, lastly, actually, not last, and close to last, letter P is personality. Now, underline this one because you are unique. No one else is like you, okay? Your, your DNA is so specific that literally with the billions of people that have lived, not one person has the same DNA. That's how we can tell if you committed a crime. I have the ability to take a cotton swab, put it in my mouth, put it in a little container, send it to Ancestry, and according to that, they can find relatives of mine that I can't deny. Because DNA is that specific. They found individuals that are part of my family that I know that I'm related to and others I didn't know I was related to. Because your DNA is that specific. God has designed you individually. He didn't create a mass group of people. He created and designed each and every one of you individually. God loved you so much that he took time to design you. 1 Corinthians 12, 6. God works through different men in different ways, but the same God achieves his purpose through them all. God doesn't hide your personality when he created you. He accentuates it. He utilizes it. I want you to understand it's your personality God wants to use for his glory. If you're funny, be funny. If you're serious, be serious. If you're, if you're very studious, be studious. I had someone tell me one Sunday, they came up to me and told me, Pastor, no jokes today. Stick to the word. I said, there's a lot of churches in this city, brother. You want a serious pastor? There's a lot of them here. In fact, I'd be more than happy to direct you to one of them. But God uses your personality in order to accomplish your goals. I'm not going to hide who I am. I'm not going to hide into the, the personality God gave me in order to achieve the calling God gave me as well. I'm going to be who God called me to be in order to deliver the message in a manner. Why? Because I'm not preaching just for the intellect. I'm preaching for the kid that's sitting here that's just wondering, man, I, I don't want to be in church. I want to go home. I remember sitting where those kids are, acting totally bored like he is right now with his arm on the, the back of the seat, not paying attention right now. I've been there. Oh, now you're paying attention, huh? Where's your dad at? See, if you went to one of those other churches, that pastor would have let you sit like that and wouldn't even recognize you. You should be happy you're here. It's my godson. It's my godson. He has to come to this church. 
Lastly, letter E. Everyone say letter E. Is your experiences. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me as we close this up. See, you are today the sum of your experiences yesterday. Who you are today is a result of everything that you've gone through in your past. Every struggle I've gone through has made me who I am today. And even though I didn't like it when I was going through it, I am grateful that it's made me who I am today. And your experiences in your family. Look at these experiences. Rick Warren identifies these experiences here. Your family, learning to grow up in your... What, what did you learn when you grew up in your family? Because every one of us has a different dysfunctional family. Don't, don't get it twisted. Every family is dysfunctional. When you say, I, I came from a dysfunctional family, your parents could have stayed together and still been dysfunctional. But you still functioned. You still learned how to get along. What did you learn educationally? What were your favorite subjects in school? Vocationally, what jobs have you enjoyed? What jobs did you hate? Spiritually, what were your most meaningful times in Christ? In serving God? Ministry, how have you served God in the past? And lastly, and probably most, not importantly, but probably ones that impact us the most are painful. What painful experience, what problems, hurts, or storms have you gone through? Many of us spend so much time trying to hide our past because we're embarrassed of it. But I want you to know is your past has make you, made you who you are today. Stop hiding your past. Because the moment you can embrace your past, you can walk in your present with anointing. Well, I don't want people to know what I came through. You know what? You don't let people know what you came through. You're never going to be able to use it for God's glory. Stop allowing that painful experience that you went through 20 years ago to keep hurting you today. Turn it around. Who else knows how to minister to someone that was abused or being abused than someone that's gone through abuse? Who else has the ability to tell a mother that has gone through her husband leaving and being left with the kids than another mother that survived it and now excelling through it? Who else has the ability to stand up and look another individual in the eye that's addicted than someone that's gone through addiction and now is living free to tell them, you know what, I made it and you can make it too. Who else has the ability to look at someone that has lost it all, that's lost it in bankruptcy, has no money, and yet to look at them in the eye and say, look, I rebuilt, I got everything back that the enemy stole from my life, and I'm living life well today. Unless we know your story, who else knows the pain of a stillborn? Who else knows the pain of losing a child? I always tell anyone that's lost a child that I don't remember a word anyone's ever said to me when we went through our season. In fact, some of the words people said were just stupid. God needed them in heaven. He didn't need them in heaven. He's planting the garden in heaven. He needed a flower. He planted no garden. 
people just trying to come up with well-meaning things. I don't remember a thing people said, except the painful things. But I do remember who was there, those that surrounded us during that time, those that gathered around us during that time. And it wasn't the words they said, it was just their presence. We got your back, Pastor. You don't always have to have the answers. Just knowing that you walked in my shoes, just knowing that you've gone through my pain, somehow gives me hope. See, God never wastes a hurt. Whatever your pain has been in your life, God can turn around and use it for his glory. Let me give you two more scriptures before I close. Second Corinthians chapter one says this, verse four. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. We go through troubles and God comforts us so that we can give comfort to others. When they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort. Someone say same comfort that God has given to us. So stop covering up your mistakes and hurts because even the apostle Paul, the one who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. I had a guy fall asleep in the first service. And <laughs> so I'm glad that we provide an excellent environment that makes you comfortable here, that you could sleep. I told him how the Apostle Paul had preached so long that this little boy fell asleep, fell from the second story window to his death. And Paul went over there, raised him to life, and kept preaching. Think he would have learned. <laughs> but this is what Paul says when they're going through some struggle. Take, take a look at this as we close. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul's talking. I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard times we went through in Asia. In other words, we went through some tough times. We were really crushed and overwhelmed. Ever feel overwhelmed? Ever feel crushed? He goes, we feared we would never live through it. Ever feel like you weren't going to survive? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all have gone through some stuff. Not, not didn't have enough money to pay my cable bill. No, you've gone through some stuff. Gone through some brain aneurysms. You've lost some loved ones. You've gone through some pain of loss. He says, we felt doomed to die. Come on. And saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. So I decided to stop serving God. What's he say? But what? But that was good. Are you kidding me, Paul? You were on the verge of helplessness and hopelessness, but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us, for he could even raise the dead. Even if I died, I have my trust that he could raise me up again. That's faith there. And he did help us and save us from a terrible death. And yes, we expected it. So come on, someone say expect. And we expect him to do it again and again. God saw me through this battle and I expect him to do it again and again and again and again and again and again through bankruptcy, through sickness, through divorce, through poverty, through depression, through cancer, through any, anything that comes against me. I trust that God's going to do it. 
The novelist Huxley said, experience is not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. Don't waste your pain. Bow your heads right where you are this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.